The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. If you would please turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. And uh, once you've found that, if you would please go ahead and stand with, with me as we read together from the Word of God. Galatians chapter 6, I'll begin reading at verse number 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Ye see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised, that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory... Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth let no man trouble me. For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, for its truth, for its purity, for its power. We thank you, Lord, for your grace, which was shed upon us by the sacrifice made by Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Thank you for the mercy that you show unto us every day in forgiving our sins and in withholding judgment upon us. So Lord, as we gather here this morning with, with heavy hearts over the, over the illness of our pastor's wife, over Pam, and, and the burden that this places on our pastor, as we gather in this place with heavy hearts, we ask that you would lift us and that you would Strengthen us and give us the faith and courage we need. Thank you now for this time that we have. I pray that you will bless it and that you will be glorified in all things. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now I hate to disappoint you this morning. But you're not going to hear some great bombastic truth that you've never heard before. I don't have anything such as that to give you. Because there's 
no new truth given, amen? Only the truth revealed in God's word is all the truth there is. So if you were coming this morning looking for some great truth to be proclaimed that you've never heard before, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to disappoint you. But I can promise you this, we're going to hear the word of God today. And that's what we need. We need to hear from God every day. So I begin with a question. And that question is this. Who are you? As you sit in your pew, who are you? In this room, we have a variety of of occupations represented. But does your occupation truly represent your identity? In this room, we also have various nationalities represented. But does your nationality truly represent your identity? Now, certainly, your occupation identifies what you do to earn a paycheck, to provide for the needs of your family. But it does not represent your identity. Your nationality represents your heritage and where you, where you, where you uh, hail from, but it does not represent your identity. Our spiritual identity is in no way, way represented by what we do to earn a paycheck or from whence we come. It is in fact represented by who we are positionally in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Who am I this morning? I am a child of God. I am joint heir with Jesus Christ. I am proclaimed by God as a king and a priest in his sight. Revelations chapter 1 and verse 6. We read, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now I apologize, there's no PowerPoint today. So we have to do this old school, the way we used to do it. Before technology came along. I read the verse and you listen. And when I, when I say turn to the verse, you go there. And if you're, if you're not paying attention to me, but you're just interested in every verse, they're listed on your study sheet so you can jump ahead and stay ahead of me. If you so choose. This morning, you may be a web designer. You might be an equipment operator or a telecommunications expert. This morning, you might be an electrician or a plumber. You might be a teacher or an auto mechanic. You might be a counselor or an accountant. You might be an engineer or a banker. But you see, that is what you do, not who you are. After 38 years of ministry, I have learned that you will never truly be what God wants you to be 
until you first truly comprehend who you are and what God has made you to be. This morning we all agree that because of man's fall in the Garden of Eden, man must earn his bread by the sweat of his brow. Scripture clearly states this, that man must, must labor for his material things. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10 reads, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Now that verse right there could take us down a whole another trail to explain what's wrong with welfare. But we're not going to go there this morning. We're going to stay on our path. Maybe some other day we'll go down the welfare road, but not today. However, we must not forget the source and the purpose of all of our labors. And we must keep it in perspective and not allow a career to consume us. This morning we must remember the source of all material blessings, the source of all of our wisdom and knowledge, the source of all of our strength and abilities, the source of all these things is God, our Lord and King. In Matthew chapter 6, we read from verses 31 through 33, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This morning we must remember that God does not purpose for us to spend our lives in pursuit of a career. (coughs) It is not his purpose for us to spend our lives in pursuit of material things. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 we read, Who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. God's purpose for us is that we would spend our lives glorifying him. That we would spend our lives preaching the gospel to a lost and dying world. That we would spend our lives worshiping him. Not, not trying to become the most popular student in school. Not trying to become the most loyal employee and, and make the biggest paycheck. Not, not trying to amass the most property and most possessions that we can possibly uh, amass. But it is the will of the Father that we spend our lives glorifying him in all things that we do. We are to spend our lives focusing on 
who we are and not what we do. Understanding the difference between these two will enable us to live in such a manner so as to fulfill God's intent and purpose for our life. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, please. I wasn't going to have you turn there, but I need to, I need to pause. I've got to get some water. 1 Peter chapter 2. And look at verse 9. Now I want you to pay careful attention to these words. We read here, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Did you see that? Who are you? Well, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a peculiar people. This is what we must focus on. I grow weary. I grow weary in this world. I grow weary listening to how many millions of dollars we're paying athletes to run around and kick a ball or catch a ball or throw a ball or hit a ball. I grow weary of, of listening to the news and see the bickering and the fighting and the, the, the backstabbing and the slandering that goes on just to try to promote oneself just a little step higher on, public, on the public scale. I grow so weary of people losing sight of who they are. And, and, and let me tell you, a lot of the people involved in these things claim to be God's children. They claim to be believers, yet they've lost sight of who they are. They, they've, given it, they've given it up. In this passage we just read, we understand that as God's children, we are unique and are to conduct ourselves as his people, as his treasured people. In this, we understand why it is wrong for God's elect saints to walk in agreement with the lost of this generation. We are to be notably different from the world. This implies that we are to be strikingly different. We read just a moment ago in 2 Peter 2.9 that we are a peculiar people. I remember... A couple of decades ago, a youth conference was, was launched based on this. And the, the theme was, be a weirdo for Christ. <laughs> be a weirdo for Christ. There were a lot of them, too. There were a lot of weirdos for Christ. There. But that's not what that means. It means we, that doesn't mean we're supposed to be peculiar. It just means that our, the difference in our life is to be remarkable. When people look at us, they, they, they look at us and say, wow. What is what does that person have that I do not? You know, that was that was what happened to me when I when I saw my 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 friend Mike Alpha 
30, almost, almost 39 years ago now, when I got saved, I saw him and he was such a different person. I said, what happened to him? Jesus happened to him. Oh yes, we're to be strikingly different. In other words, there can be no doubt that you are one of God's children. But today, God's children want to blend in. They do not want to be strikingly different. They want to look like, sound like, and live like the world. Behavior such as this constitutes an association with the world. It would imply that one is in accord with the world's principles and philosophies. And we know what God's word says about this. In James chapter 4 and verse 4, we read, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, there is no way to misconstrue what is being said here. What's being said is that when we live our life in harmony with the world, not strikingly different, but conforming to the philosophies of the world, we stand with the enemies of God. There's no other way to, there's no other way to put it. James said, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, shall be a friend of the world will be the enemy of God. So let me ask you, are you living as an enemy of God this morning? Or are you one of God's peculiar people? Now, as I stated earlier, in order for us to live our life the way that God wants us to live, we must first understand who we are and why we are here. This understanding will cause us to conduct ourselves in a manner that will be evident to not only yourself, but to those around you as well. So for the remainder of my time this morning and also later this afternoon, I would like us to consider the marks of a believer. Now, as I've said before, I, I prepare these two-part sermons, and usually the second part is better than the first part. So, if you can only attend one service today, I would definitely make it the afternoon service, <laughs> because that's the better part, okay? People always laugh at that. I don't know why. First, this morning, I want us to consider the inward evidence. The inward evidence. Without a doubt, the reason so many believers fail to understand and accept the necessity of living a separated life is because they fail to understand the differences we have already discussed this morning. In order for you and, and, and me to live our lives in the power and grace of God, we must comprehend these simple truths. Listen, there is no righteousness in me. 
No righteousness in me. I don't care how, 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 how pretty I can dress. I don't care how much I can clean up. I don't care how hard I try to do everything right. There is no righteousness in me. None. Romans 7.18 For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. There is no righteousness in me. There is no righteousness in you. None at all. Never has been, never will be. In your flesh, there is no righteousness. Also, we need to remember it is by God's grace that we can do anything for him. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10. Paul writes, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, I already told you there's no righteousness in me, and there isn't. But when God looks at me this morning, he sees me as righteous. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. The righteousness of Christ has been laid upon me. And God looks upon me and sees the righteousness of his son. Therefore, by grace, I'm able to to do what I do. It's by the grace of God I'm able to stand in this pulpit this morning and proclaim the the truth of God. So we have inward evidences that will cause us to have the knowledge and assurance of our salvation. And in these evidences, it is these evidences that give us the confidence needed to live this strikingly different life that God requires of us. So first today, I want to look at this, the witness of the new creature. The witness of the new creature, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. We are a new creature. We have the witness of the new creature in our, in our lives. When we are saved, the old habits, the old philosophies, they just don't seem to feel right anymore. Now, just changing habits does not make one a believer, however. But if you are truly saved this morning, you understand what I am talking about. There is a transformation that takes place. A trend, you, you're changed. You're different. I'll never forget that, that moment I was saved. And uh, in that little Baptist missionary church in Sherrington, Louisiana. The preacher that married my wife and I, Brother Bobby, preached a message that morning. We all stood to sing and, and the Holy Spirit overcame me and I just 
closed my songbook. I walked down that aisle and I got saved. The Lord saved my worthless soul. When, we, when my wife and I and my mother-in-law, put that one down in the books, would you? My mother-in-law walked out that church. The grass had never looked greener. The birds had never been, their songs had never been more beautiful. Everything, everything suddenly came to life. Because the life was now in me. But I changed. And the old habits, the old things I did, I just didn't feel good doing them anymore. And one Sunday, about a month or so later, one Sunday, my father-in-law, my two brother-in-laws, three brother-in-laws and myself, uh, went hunting. Instead of going to church, I went hunting. And I had a a bolt-action shotgun. And that gun, you'd, you'd aim down the barrel and the bolt was right here. And we were, we were hunting um, doves and we were walking along and a dove jumped up right in front of me. So I shot without aiming because I didn't have time to aim. I just pulled the trigger and it was a strange, it was a strange sound. And then I heard a big, a, a ding what had happened was when I pulled the trigger, the, the, the firing pin sheared and came flying out the back of the shotgun. If I had brought that thing up to my face and pulled that trigger, that, that firing pin would have shot right into my head. But I didn't put much of that together. But later we were riding home in the pickup truck and one of my brother-in-laws opened a beer and handed it to me. And I said, no, nah, I don't want that. And he said, what's the matter? You got religion now? So I grabbed that beer, you know, big tough guy. I grabbed that beer. And I was about to drink from it. And I stood up and I threw that thing out the back of the truck as hard as I could throw it. Smashed on the road. They both looked at me. I said, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I don't do that. And I sat down. And that was the last Sunday I ever went hunting. And that was the last time I ever tried to drink a beer. Why? Not me. It's the new creature in me. The witness of the new creature wouldn't let me keep doing the things I once did. The things I used to do. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are convicted to follow a new course of living, a new way of serving God through Christ by the Holy Spirit. We are turned to the principles of grace, forsaking the pursuit of righteousness through the flesh. Old companions are forsaken and new ones sought after. The pursuit of riches, honor, and wealth give way to love, joy, and peace. In truth, we become a new creation. Created in the image and nature of Christ. But not only do we have the, the witness of the new creature as inward evidence. <coughs> but secondly, we have the witness of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, we read, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. 
as natural men, lost and without hope, we could not comprehend the truth of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. (coughs) It is the Holy Spirit that guides us into truth. It is the Holy Spirit that teaches us the Word of God. It is the Holy Spirit that convinces us of sin. It is the Holy Spirit that gives us a witness. It is the Holy Spirit that causes us to remember the truths of God. It is the Holy Spirit that comforts us. It is the Holy Spirit that enables us and empowers us to to teach and to preach. And there's so much more from the Holy Spirit. But we we have the witness of the new creature. We have the witness of the Holy Spirit. But then thirdly, we have the witness of the Word of God. 1 John chapter 5, we read, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. These things have I written unto you, John said. What things? The Word of God, the Bible. The Bible is written unto us so that we would know the truth, so that we would have assurance, and that we would know that we are the children of God. Because the Word of God is a witness to the inward man. The Word of God, when it is preached, the Word of God, when it is taught, it it reaches down into our souls, into our very heart, and, and stirs us and convicts us. That we have the witness of the word of God. It is the word of God that will reach deep into our soul. And will reveal our sinful self. And will convict us. And cause us to repent. <laughs> Woe is the man. Who claims to be a child of God yet has no remorse for his own sin. Woe is the man or woman who claims to be a child of God and continues in sin without repentance and without seeking the forgiveness of God. Woe to that man. Jesus says it were better that he not be born. Therefore, we dare not forsake God's word. If we are God's children, then God's word should be, a very, should be at the very heart of our entire life. Every day, we should be in the word of God, seeking the truth of God's word. We are to study it. 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We are to meditate upon it. Psalm chapter 1 and verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. 
and in his law doth he meditate day and night. We are to obey it. Psalm 1911, moreover by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. Now quickly, I want to give you four things uh, about the, the word of God that we learn from scripture. First, letter A, it is a sword. A sword, Ephesians six seventeen, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It is our only hope in the spiritual warfare we face every day. The word of God was Jesus' weapon against Satan's temptations. I don't have time to read it this morning, but go home and read Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. And each time Satan tempted Jesus, he answered using the word of God. It is the very weapon Jesus used to combat Satan. Not only is it a sword, but letter B, it's a lamp. Psalm 119, verses 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It is our only light in this dark world. Let us see, it is a shield. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. The word of God, letter D, is perfect and pure. Psalm 119, Psalm 19. We read, the law of the Lord is perfect, (laughs) converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And letter E, the word of God is powerful. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Oh yes, the inward man has the witness of the word of God. These are just a few of the inward marks of a believer. But let me ask you, are you listening to these witnesses this morning? Are, are you listening this morning to the witness of the new creature? That, that new conscience, that, that, new, that new nature that was given you by Jesus Christ? Are you listening to that witness when it convicts you of sin? When it convicts you of wrong? Are you listening to that witness? Are you listening to the witness of the Holy Spirit as he guides you and as he as he convicts you of sin, convinces you of sin, as he reveals truth unto you, as he leads you in the right way, are you, are you listening to that witness? Are you listening to the witness of the word of God? <laughs> are you availing yourself to the word of God? Are you reading and studying, meditating and, 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 and obeying the word of God? Who are you this morning? Do you want to be identified by what you do? Or do you want to be identified by who you are? If you're here this morning as a child of God, then you should desire to be identified as God's God's child 
and you should seek to glorify him with your life. Like I told you, nothing new, nothing you've never heard before. But these are the, these are the assurances that you and I have that we are God's children, that we are saved. And we must act upon these. Let us pray. Father, we come before you now <clears throat> in humility. Your word reveals to us, Lord, how weak and how frail we are. Your word reveals to us that there is no righteousness within us. And that the only thing that we possess of any value is Jesus Christ, your son. So as we, as we examine our own hearts today, we endeavor to answer this question, who are we? Help us, Lord. Help us to see ourselves as you desire us to be. Help us to know who we are so that we might fulfill your purposes in our life. Thank you for all that are here today. I pray you'd use this word as it was preached to strengthen us and to, and to, to grow us. We, we thank you and praise you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www dot bbaptist dot org